You're listening to the Zenial Dadcast. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Mo. Hello, everyone. My name is Devin. We got a lot to talk about. It's been a very busy two weeks. Uh, on this episode, we're going to discuss, and I want to discuss this with you, the, the four-day week test that's happening uh, around the world, really. Uh, we're also going to discuss a few things, but the band to dig out uh, today is Muy Cansado, which is uh, Spanish for very tired, and they are a local Boston band. Uh, I don't believe they're active anymore, but they have three records on Spotify, and they've just been this band that's been on my peripheral, uh, on the periphery of my music listening uh, journey. So, so they're nice. a cool band to check out. Okay, cool. So, you li- I was gonna say, do you listen? Do you listen to a lot of Spanish music there in Bolivia, or do you just keep it the same as usual when you're back here? Same as usual. <laughs> really? uh, well, nice. no, that's not that's not completely true. So, I told you I recently joined the band, and right. uh, and some of the covers we do are uh, like Latin rock tunes. Oh damn! And they're really good. Like, there's a lot of bands that Is I have. Is it known. hard? Yeah, Is it no. difficult for you? No, 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 not a, not mm. at all. Like I, I know Spanish, uh, and the music is still you know it's still rock, it's still blues. We we have a couple of things, right? I want to talk about the four day week uh, experiment, but before we get to that, I wanna uh, we we gotta digest two things, right? The Chili Peppers record and the slap, the Oscar slap. Heard around the world. Smith and Chris Rock. Oh man, you, so, I didn't think you guys would find out about that over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I was gonna ask you, and I, I was gonna <laughs> ask you, "Hey, did you hear Will Smith slap Chris Rock?" But now I was kind of feeling you would say no. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a big fan of both of those people, uh, but I would say I'm a bigger fan of Will Smith's just tenure wise longer. I've just been a bigger yeah, fan for a longer period of time. I, I understand on that because like you know. But like you know, with Fresh Prince and you know the Grown Ups, those two movies are like iconic. You know they're they're hilarious. They're comedy. They're comedy entertainment. You know. But you know that's that slap across you know in the Oscars. I thought as like everyone thought. I thought like that was a bit, you know, like a joke, and everyone you know thought the same thing. And it's insane. Uh, did you watch it live? Were you watching the Oscars? No, I know I, I watched it like like a uh, recording of it like the day after. Um, it's literally no. like I woke I woke up like around like one forty in the morning, and I was like just looking at my Facebook, mm-hmm. my Facebook as usual, going through the news feeds, and I see a video like Will Smith. It looked like it was Will Smith slapping. Chris Rock and at the beginning I didn't think it was those those celebrities I thought it was just random people but then I'm like oh wow the caption says Will Smith of Chris Rock it was yeah, insane I didn't know what to uh, what to think at first did you um, yeah what was your first reaction like what did you, what was the first thing that popped into your mind was it that it was a joke you thought it was like a stunt. <laughs> No, I well, no, I didn't think of any of that. I was just laughing, and I was like, "Wait, what? What? What just happened?" Like, and the fact that you know, all I saw, all I, the first video I saw was cut out and it was posted. It was just a slap across the face, and then him walking off stage and nothing more. The video was stopped, and then later on, I fi- I finally understood. You know, there was um the the extended video, the full video clip. Um, it was about about Will Smith's wife uh, from some joke. And yeah, yeah. I, let's and, let's, and, not, let's not get into that yet. Let's not get into that. So, you know, so once you found out that he actually slapped him, like he actually uh, slapped him across the face, what did you think then? What was your initial reaction, opinions, in support? Yeah, what what, what was going mm-hmm. through your head as a fan of of Will Smith? Well, nothing like that went through my head, to be honest. It's something I was just, you know, just confused. Like, why? Like, why that happened? Like, I wonder, like, what's going on? And the thing is, like, I never seen them two together. And, you know, like, I'm not sure whether if they're in good terms or if they've been in bad terms before. All that kind of stuff was, like, coming up to my head. It was, like, wondering, like, what happened, though? Like, 
what started that slap, you know? And what do you think now, now that you know everything? I kind of think it was, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm, I kind of think it was like, I don't know, kind of dumb, kind of like, I want to say like over dramatic, over a joke, you know? Dumb for Will Smith to have done it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was embarrassment for him, and he is embarrassed. But like, I kind of, I, I kind of thought that was kind of, it was low, you know, for that, for that slap on a comedian. There, there are, yeah, you know, like after, so, so I'll tell you my end of it. I, I found out about it when you did too in the morning. Looking at my phone, mm-hmm. I saw a thing about it. Uh, yeah. My first reaction was disbelief. Like I would have accepted that it was a stunt, a practical joke. You know, we were, we were. It was almost uh, April Fool, so maybe it was right. a stunt. Um, I didn't, um, I didn't initially think that it was a real, a real occurrence. And then as you read about it, you look at the footage, and then you hear about, you know, the reaction to the joke, and, and you see, uh, you know, Will Smith tearing up and the way he was reacting, and how other, how other uh, contemporaries went up to him and tried to calm him down. Um, you wow. really do, you, at first, you feel bad for Will. Uh, and, and you feel, and you're like, well, what could have Chris Rock said? Like, what was going on? What was the thing, you know? What was going on that would lead someone of Will Smith's stature, you know? We're not talking about a young man here. He's 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, to react this way in mm-hmm. such a public setting where he knows there's cameras everywhere. And it's being broadcast all over the world, you know? So it's really, really hard to be like, well, God, you know, something must have happened for him to have snapped like that. Maybe not on camera, but maybe there was, you know, like you said, maybe there's some history there, you know? Um, And then you hear it's largely due to uh, a joke that that was referencing Jada Pinkett's alopecia. Um, And and it, it, it boils down to... A man defending his wife, you know, uh, in a very, uh, I want, for the lack of a better term, very kind of old school mentality. Mm-hmm. And now my my feeling is that he he definitely, it's not it's not the right way to react. He definitely screwed up. He's, you know, he's he's definitely it's it's odd because it was his year. You know, he gave the performance. He ruined it. Won ruined his it. Oscar like it was his year. You know, Will Smith was nominated for Best Actor when he did the Ali movie. And I mm-hmm. thought he should have won that because I really liked the Ali movie. You know what's so funny? I Well, not well, not funny, but like, I've never ever got to see that one. I, I know there's a movie called Ali and it's starring with Will Smith, yeah. right? I haven't seen that one. I think it's oh, on it's Netflix. So it's so I'm good. I'm not sure if it's still out there. I got to watch that. I got to try that. I got to, you know. It's really, it's a really good movie. And it's really the movie he should have won for in my hey. honest humble opinion hey um, i mean like i think the movie i am legend i robot like you showed me that movie oh mm-hmm. my god I, I remember saying like i don't think i'm gonna like that movie but look we went to see it in the theaters i'm not sure if it was imax or amc but it was a great movie and, and like you know watching a movie with like one act one character fighting against robots you know yeah so so on one hand it's really you know, it's really tragic to see, uh, not tragic, it's really sad to see someone that you kind of look up to and, hold on, is the is my son really loud? Can you hear him? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. I can still hear you. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. Otherwise, I'll, no, no worries. I'll tell him to pipe down. Uh, <laughs> so, it's really, you know, it's really sad to see someone like Will Smith, someone that, you know, you admire and, and you actually watch a lot of their work and... You know, I've been to movies only because they star Will Smith. You know, he's he's got that kind of pull. Uh, maybe not so much now like he did in the past, but we we sort of grew up watching him. And it's a very it's, it was a very carefully crafted image, public image that he has, where he's you know a rapper that doesn't curse. He's not violent. He's a dedicated actor. He's a dedicated father. All this stuff. And then to see him react that way and to, and to have it be for something that honestly, when it comes down to it, there's very little that a comedian could say on stage. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what could he have possibly said that would that would make everyone think he had it coming? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what could yeah. Chris Rock possibly I mean, have said? 
that would everyone would have been cheering for him to get slapped in the face um and that's really the tough part to grapple with is someone you you enjoy you you respect and and uh having thing to is, screw up this hard i watched a video um at work it was one i came, i came across on facebook and it was a video of you know the the guy who hosts the well owns the oscars or you know works with the oscars was being interviewed and he was telling his back aside the story of what happened the moment when Will Smith came across came came up to stage and slapped Chris Rock no one like 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 we said before no one expected it people thought it was a skit whatsoever but i think it was just like this it wasn't one of Chris Rock's just jokes he never got a chance to say the the jokes he was going to say what he what he was saying on you know during rehearsal that moment he was just kind of like what's it called like, i think just warming up and stuff and then he said that and then the slap came across and everything else was just like awkward it was yeah. just weird he wanted to get off stage but he didn't like I, i i feel like you know in his position how do you get out of that you know awkwardness after getting slapped across the face in front of thousands of people i don't know what i would do whether like do i just stand there and wait until the cameras go to commercial or or do i wait until someone tells me go this way or say something I, I don't know. I'd be frozen. All right, so let's wrap up this Will Will Smith business. I'm still a fan, and I'm and I'm curious to see what happens next. But I I got into a conversation with somebody where it was clear that they were they were supportive of the slap. I said, ah, oh, he had it coming. He talked. He made a joke about his wife and yada yada yada. Against that, I'm sorry. And. Uh, And I knew right away we weren't going to see common ground, so I sort of backed away from the conversation completely. Mm-hmm. There's just and and you know, uh, Chris Rock had a show in Boston, like a Monday I heard about Tuesday, that. and yeah, he, got, it was... he got heckled by somebody who ended up getting removed from the crowd and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously people out there who who would be in favor of that kind of behavior, and that's sort of the society we're living in now. Uh, it's just. Everyone's got something, man. And everyone responds yeah. the way they want to respond, and it's like, yeah, the high road doesn't really doesn't get its due. Um, like, I mean, I get, I get, like, discussing opinions of uh, when people like this, you know, say stuff about my car, the things I do to my car. You know, it's the same thing. I mean, it's everyone has a saying on different stuff. I mean, I'm not gonna go out of my way and like fight someone for saying those stuff. I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah, and, and and ultimately, right? Uh, hopefully, you know, Will Smith can uh, learn and, and move on. Let's talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, man. Have you been listening to the new the new songs? I have. I just haven't been quite um, listening to the whole thing. I I listened to their first one, the first one that you know that came out first, um, which is Black so, Summer. So let's do this. Yeah, but that came out weeks ago. So let's do this. I haven't listened to the whole thing either. I've just been listening to a couple of songs. So let's do our first impressions, right? We're not gonna do stars or anything. But what do you think? Because you know, so a little bit of backstory, right? Chili Peppers mm-hmm. is another band that that Devin and I have grown up with. So I'm Dr. Will Smith. Uh, when, when I was a teenager, I discovered them in my regular, you know, listening to rock music and MTV. And uh, and I'm I'm a bassist, so Flea was always one of those top center uh, bassists that I that I tried to emulate. And uh, and then, you know, I, I turned Devin onto it, and Devin's been a fan ever since. It's mm-hmm. it's a band that we followed. So, I think that's what got me to liking, you know, instruments, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, swear, I think I remember as a kid, I, want, I, I played the drums a bit, just the snare drum in the band class at school. So the new record is called Unlimited Love. And it's the first record with John Fushanti in at least 10 years, I think. Everybody who's a Chili Peppers record uh, fan has uh, has typically a favorite record, has some sort of strong opinion on whether or not they love John Fushanti versus the other guitarists that have filled his shoes. And then you have this record, Unlimited Love, that just got released, and it's John Fushanti's sort of comeback record with the Chili Peppers. What's your first impression, D? 
I I love it so far. I mean, I love it how the fact that he released an uh, you know another album, you know, with bringing back John Frusciante as a guitarist, you know, as as originally was before. It's pretty cool seeing that. Like I said, I haven't listened to quite the whole album, but you, you know, when I, I know like Black Summer was out for a little bit, but when I were when I first listened to that song Black Summer with John Frusciante in it, it was just like a wow, a throwback. But like you know. Good things, you know, like how they how they had it in their old days are coming back. You know, like they're bringing back the original band together, meaning you know bringing back John Frusciante. Josh, um, on the other hand, I think, I think was that his name, Josh? It's been a while from the other the other guitar player. Yes, I'm looking it up because I forgot his name too. It's Josh <laughs> Klinghoffer. Klinghoffer, yeah. Klinghoffer. He was, yeah. He was also the youngest one, too, I believe, right? In the band for a while. Oh, well, um, yeah, but relatively, right? He's still a 40-year-old man. You know, he's the right. youngest. These guys are 50 years old, dude. <laughs> you know, like they're all <laughs> they're all in their 50s. Well, um, I know so that. Relatively. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think Josh, uh, Josh Klinghoffer was, like, I think, like, the youngest one in there out of all of them. But he was also, you know, an amazing guitar player. I've, you know, I've seen the videos of him playing live with the band. He just brings back. He just brings that heat, just like. Um, all right, all right. But, but you're not, you're not giving me what I asked for. So your first impressions <laughs> is you're loving it. You, you. So how many? Which songs are you listening to? I want to listen to two. Okay, which ones are those? Well, obviously, it's well. No, it's here, here, at, here, ever after. Uh huh. And not the one. And. And that on top of the single Black Summer, right? So three. Yeah, pretty much. That's all I've listened to. Cool. So I listened to those three songs too. My first impression, so when, when the single came out a couple of weeks ago for Black Summer, I wasn't that happy. I wasn't that thrilled about it. It just didn't seem like it was that good of a single. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like Here Ever After. Let me just make sure I got I got that name right. Just going to their Spotify right now. Is it called Here Ever After? I thought it was something else. Here, here Ever After, yeah. It's the, second, it's the second tune, right? Yes, Here Ever After. Yeah, I really like that song. That song has a really good groove. It's a fun song to uh, to listen to. Uh, not the one, again, kind of lukewarm. Nothing really catching my attention. I also listened to, uh, where is it? Poster Childs also, kind of. Oh yeah, you like that one? To. I haven't listened to that. I listened to uh, "These Are the Ways." I saw them. I saw like the uh, Jimmy Kimmel performance on that. I thought that was okay. I thought it was okay. Here's my overall impression, though. It doesn't feel like their best one yet. You know, you think back to John Frusciante with um, Californication, with uh, you know, um, Stadium Arcadium. By the way. And you can, you look at those records and you hear, you can very much hear John Frusciante's influence, especially when you compare them to, you know, the, the, the albums that came after. The last album they came out a few years ago was actually The Getaway. The Getaway was awesome. That was a good album. I liked that one, the last one. And I remember that one because it was the first time in a while because they had, so before The Getaway, they had I'm With You which I liked. I liked the I'm With You. But I'm With You was another one where they, it wasn't with Rushante, it was with Josh. And the albums were good, but they weren't like, I don't know, they just didn't didn't really catch my ear. And then The Getaway came out, and The Getaway had the first single. The first song. Dark Necessities. There. Dark Necessities, yeah. yeah. And man, when Dark Necessities came out, it was, that was awesome. all I could listen to. Yeah, yeah me too. And this is, uh, yeah, I, I, I very much remember just being all about dark, dark necessities. And then Go Robot's really good. Sig Love is really good on that record. Detroit is really good. So the getaway itself, the song, the opening song is really good. When I listen to the getaway and I think this is, this is, you know, Josh and this is the band that's evolved away from John Fushante, I'm really happy where they are. I really like that album. And now we got this record and it just doesn't feel like it's, the best record that they've done and it sort of feels like there aren't any it's a record without any singles i've only listened to what four songs but i haven't heard one that makes me that really kind of intrigues me including the the lead single so i don't those are just first impressions this might be a record that 
kind of sticks around for a long time and over time you just end up loving it. I've had a couple of those experiences, you know, with like Pearl Jam where, a, a, you know, a, a record would just, you just grow to love it over time. I no, also, yeah, I feel that. I, I also sort of <laughs> look at them as elder statesmen, you know, they're, they're older musicians now. A band like the Chili Peppers is a band that is eternally youthful, right? They, their sound is just energetic, and the way that Flea plays, the way that they that they gel, is is kind of filled with their youthfulness. But they're fifty year old men now, and it's weird to listen to Anthony Kiedis sing about, you know, things like love and drugs and stuff in in the songs. It's really weird to to kind of separate the two now because I know that they're that they're older, but they're, in their in their lyrics they have things about girls and stuff. I'm I'm just not. I'm not gelling as well with them as I used to, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's lukewarm. It's not terrible music. I mean, Chili Peppers in general, they will make solid music. It's just hard to see how that band can continue to evolve and not and not seem like a band that's trying to appeal to millennials all the time. It just feels like, you know, they're 50-year-old men, but they have to write music. If the Chili Peppers are going to be successful, they have to continue writing music that appeals to millennials. And that's not necessarily yeah, sure. that's not necessarily the case. It doesn't need to be. Well, you're an exennial, so you you have to say that. I you know I'm 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 a zennial, but I'm technically a millennial too. And it's like they they have to continue appealing to to people like you, but it's not necessarily authentic. And you know, it's like Neil Young. Right? I mean, Neil, Neil Young is an old old singer songwriter. In in the seventies, yeah. he appealed to people his his contemporaries in the seventies. Now, if Neil Young comes out with a record, you're not going to go out and buy it. People that like oh. Neil Young are going to go out and buy it. And nope. it, there might be a couple of millennials sprinkled in there, but it's not going to be you. It's not going to be the majority. So nope. he's got to evolve for your <laughs> for your crowd. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. And then the last thing music related that I want to get to is the passing of Taylor Hawkins. Did you hear about this? You must have. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Um... He was um he was a band member in the, in the Foof Players, right? I forgot. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he yeah. died at fifty. So. so you were you you were never really a big Foo Fighters fan. No. I the only one one album that was my favorite from Foo Fighters. I mean, I, I've I've heard of their songs playing movie backgrounds, like the like um what's that football movie you used to watch? But there are music you, in there. Are you you're talking about Varsity Blues? Varsity Blues, yeah. The My Hero song, My Hero song. But let me. But the most album I think I listened to growing up, um, you showed me. I think it was their their album was called Burning Bridges or something. Or I think that was their 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 hit song um, in the album. It it came out around the time like 2010 or I think it was 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know which one you're you're talking about. Hold on. I I, I just want to make sure I'm I'm saying the album right. Yeah. Let me just. It's been a while since I listened to Foo Fighters, man. They have a lot of albums. Yeah, they're, they're wasting prolific. light. Wasting mm-hmm. light. That's what wasting it's called. light. That yes. one was my favorite. Yes, every single song on that album was my favorite. I listened yes. back to back, shuffled it, even went on order, went backwards listening to it. These days is one song I love. Yes, rope. Oh, okay. uh, not the rope. Rope and burning yep. bridge. Bridge burning. That's what. That's what I meant before. That one was my favorite. But so, so that's a great fucking record, front to back, right? I haven't uh-huh. listened to the last maybe two releases that they've had. That's the last one that I really, um, that I, that really, really got me going, and I remember showing it to you. And yeah, exactly. Like after, I, I think, I think maybe after this album, I'm saying like after this album was released, I think this was like the last time we saw each other, maybe around that time. Yeah, well, I left that in 2013, so it was around that time. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, I never really got around like their other albums because I think their next one came out came out 2014. There we are. So wasting light, and then so after wasting light, they released uh, Sonic Highways. I didn't listen to mm-hmm. that one. Concrete and Gold. Yeah, I haven't listened to Medicine Midnight yet. Medicine so yeah, wasting light. But then before wasting light was Echo Silence Patience. I remember listening to that. In Your Honor, love it one by one. There's nothing left to lose is really my personal favorite. They just um, released a new one, huh? Yeah, they were on the world tour. That's what's fucking tragic is that they were in Colombia. They were in Bogota mm-hmm. in a hotel. They were on the world tour. 
and and he he passed. Um, That's he, crazy. It's funny because as I, as I'm thinking about this out loud, it's like we're, we're talking about the Chili Peppers, talking about Will Smith, and then now Taylor Hawkins and the Foo Fighters. The theme across those three things is that I feel like I grew up with those with those people, either Will Smith on the screen, Chili Peppers creating music, or Foo Fighters creating music, and Foo Fighters. You know, you never you you were never super into them, but mm. they were around. They were in the soundtracks. They were in movies that you like. And it's just odd to think of somebody who, as you get older, this starts to happen more and more. Where people that you admired as a kid and you listen to, you know, they're old or they're sick and they start dying. And, yeah. uh, and so it's odd to think, especially when you look at rock stars and you look at Taylor Hawkins, he doesn't look like a 50-year-old man, you know, mm-hmm. on the outset. And the way he plays, he doesn't play like a 50-year-old man. And then when you think about like people like Mick Jagger and and the Paul McCartney are still alive, these 70-year-old, you know, 80-year-old people, you're like, fuck, man, you know? Yeah. Taylor Hawkins had, uh, had a history with, with uh, substance abuse. And you know the problem that I that I that's really what happens with these bands or, or people who are in the performance at that level is that they're performing at such a high level, their whole body's into it, and that causes body aches as you get older. You can't move the same way, uh, mm-hmm. and that means that you have to rely on painkillers or medicine to try to relieve that pain. And so a lot of them get addicted to painkillers and. The, the thing about painkillers is the more you take them, the more your body gets us, uh, used to them. So over time, you need more painkillers to have an effect, right? And that's not good for your body. And I think that's probably part of what happened with Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, that's that's tough to hear, you know, for the whole thing that went down. Not only like, you know, what you the way you're describing that trend with Will Smith... So the whole situation going on with Taylor Hawkins, yeah. and with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, you're you were right. You know, everyone's at that age level. You know, mm-hmm. like the way you describe it. You know, yeah, you grew up. You know, seeing these guys. You know, as you're ma- on the main stage together. For me, it's like seeing uh, what's it called? Like, I guess the YouTube, the YouTube, YouTube vloggers, but also I guess like the bands that I listen to on my end, you know, like rap music. It, it is, it is sad to think about Taylor Hawkins gone and the Who Fighters, you know, they, they put their entire tour on hold. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next with that band. Cause he was a massive part of that sound, mm-hmm. you know? And if I've seen that, like I've seen a dozen interviews where they talk about, how, you know, Dave Grohl being a drummer, how it was so important to get the right drummer for the Foo Fighters yeah. and how um, it would be impossible to replace him. So maybe we've seen the last of the Foo Fighters. And uh, I remember the first, so the first album, my favorite album, for better or worse, it's called There's Nothing Left to Lose. And it's in between, so uh, my hero was on The Color and the Shape. And so after that record, they lost their guitar, their second guitar player, the lead guitar player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had to go and record and they recorded it as a three piece. So it's the only Foo Fighter record that is a three piece. The first one is all Dave Grohl. He recorded everything. The second one was a four piece with, uh, I don't think it had Taylor Hawkins. I think it had another drummer. And so I'm pretty sure, I'm going to look it up now, but I'm pretty sure there is nothing left to lose. It came out in 1999. I'm pretty sure this is Taylor Hawkins' first. Uh, first yes, song? it's the first appearance of Taylor Hawkins. It's the first time he recorded with them. Nice. And it's a really great album. And it's them playing as a three-piece, and it's got all the energy that that uh, that the Foo Fighters are known for. Uh, and and it's uh, it's by far my favorite Foo Fighter record. So if you don't have one, check this one out. And finally, uh, I want to make sure we get to this because I think it's worth putting out there. There's an experiment happening worldwide, really. There's an organization called, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this out loud. It says, in the, in the, it's part of a worldwide effort launched by the Four Day Week Global. It's a nonprofit association, and it's an association that helps companies adopt 
a, uh, a four-day week schedule. So the idea behind this experiment is that instead of working Monday through Friday, you'd work Monday through Thursday. Part of the effort is because businesses are evolving. Technology has evolved with businesses. And there's a general understanding that you can do more with less now. With technology and Zoom and remote workforces and all over the world, that productivity should be as high with less effort. In the old days, everyone had to be in the office and everyone had to work in the same way with the same tools and, and, and produce. But now we have so much advancement that to think that we're doing the same things, we're working Monday through Friday the same way now as they were, you know, in the 70s, seems odd. You know, things should improve over time. And, and that means they should change. And so there should be a, a open door to ideas where we can leverage the advancement to improve the quality of life. And so part of the four-day week effort is to improve quality of life for workers, have them be more stress-free in their working conditions, but at the same time, leverage technology, leverage all of these systems and ideologies and what have you, methodologies, to make sure that companies are in the best position to implement this in a way that doesn't affect delivering doesn't affect their productivity uh, and also improves their um, competitiveness in their market. And so there's at least, it says here, some 38 companies taking part in an experiment in Canada and North America and States and then a bunch of others in, uh, in, in Europe. What do you think about this, Devin? If, if you had the opportunity to make the same amount of money you're making, but only work four days a week, do you think you could do it and still get the job done, still get whatever productivity you have to get done, however many calls you have to make, like whatever whatever they measure you by? Mm -hmm. Could you do it in four days and have an extra day of the weekend? It'd be challenging. Would it? To be honest, I mean, like for someone who works like six days a week, almost, it's, you know, it's kind of like killing it, you know, two days a week, two days of my schedule for working. Because at our job, at our side, well, we had to make, we had to make 125, 35 calls a day. Hold up, though, but but you work six days a week, but you work forty hour weeks, or how many hours a week are you working? Forty hours a week is like 40, 40, 4.2. It's forty hours mm -hmm. a week, right? So what this what, what this test is saying is, can can businesses uh, improve the lives of their workers by giving them an extra day free? But can can they still have them deliver on what they do. So it doesn't matter if it's what we're talking about. So I guess, yeah, it's my fault. So from, we're going from 40 hours to 32 hours. So let's say you still might have to work on the Saturday because of the nature of the business, but mm -hmm. could you do what you need to do in 32 hours a week? Mm -hmm. This is, this is the question, right? And I don't expect you to know the answer foolproof, but uh, this is the experiment is that these companies are going through. Is, I'll say, yes, I, I could do it. Because, you know, might as well, I mean, I want to try, you know, I don't want to say, no, I, I don't think I'll do it. But yeah, I say yes. So it says the majority of workers want a four-day work week. 92% of people support it and say that it would improve their mental health and productivity. This is according to a Qualtrics survey. They uh, surveyed around a thousand people. And it's not surprising, right? It's not surprising that most people would say, yeah, I would love to have more time free, right? The challenge is how do you do that and satisfy the business needs, right? So you mentioned how many calls do you have to make every week? It's like 135 a so day. You have to make 135 calls a day? Yeah. In a 30 in a 40 hour week. And do you reach that goal? No, not everyone reaches that. So you know, I think this is this is a really interesting subject for me because it's all about measuring productivity and how that ties to revenue. And so if somewhere in, your, in, in, in the business they've defined as 135 calls is the value that they need to get out of you, you know what I mean? Like somewhere in the business, they made some sort of study that said, uh, if we're going to pay this guy, he needs to make at least 135 calls a day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so this, this idea of switching to a four-day work week challenges that idea. It challenges uh, how businesses... First of all, how, how they measure progress, how they measure value, 
right? Mm -hmm. It also uh, tries to enable them to use modern technology. You know, there's technology out there that, that help you do help you power dial. If you have 135 calls to make, you can uh, use these these uh, these tools that help you uh, do parallel dialing, right? And and leave automatic voice messages when they don't respond. Like this, so much automation happening that that and it's getting so good that it's possible that you could do more, get higher results, and do and have put in less effort. So that's 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 what this is about, basically. It's basically just a really interesting experiment. It's happening for the next six months. These thirty-eight companies in uh, North America, uh, from April I think through September, uh, and one of them is Kickstarter, so that they could do this experiment with their staff to see if a four-day work week uh, renders the same amount of productivity as a five-day work week. I think personally, uh, I could absolutely do. What I need to do in four days. I think that technology just has to be better understood by a lot of these, um, a lot of company leaders. Right. One of my biggest challenges in my role is oftentimes having to explain and learn things for people that are non-technical. And so I think we're we're coming up to a to a tipping point. And the big argument for doing this that this article says. I'll link the article in the description. I thought it was really good. Uh, is that it gives you a competitive advantage if you're a company and you're trying to get the best talent to come work for you, trying to get the best Devons to come and make calls for you, and you say, Devon, I only need you to work four days a week because uh, we're going to use X tools and this is our process and this is how we how we measure your progress, etc. Versus the company that says I need you to work five weeks and you need to do this, etc. Uh, it makes you much more competitive. Option in the market, if if you're if you run a much more efficient process, and in the turn you can give your you can give your your team an extra day back. So I think it's a really strong argument, uh, and I think it's ready that we have that 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 discussion because technology, man, just hey, so much that's being done right now. Yeah, I mean, hey, I don't I don't mind doing this four day four day week. I mean, as long as make the tools easy as long as you know i get paid you're, more. you're, sure. you're already I'm qualifying in. something <laughs> yeah i'm more on in obviously people want it needs to be tool the tools need to be easy obviously those things need to be in place so it's like yeah i get what you're saying i think it's an interesting discussion to have i hope i hope they get adopted there are even like restaurants that have signed up and stuff so it's not it's not just like software industries it's this is an idea that can be popularized across industries I remember when I was a kid, Sundays would come around and everything would be closed. There wasn't any Target, maybe some 24-hour pharmacies. Just stay uh, like that. <laughs> and the Chinese restaurants would always be open. But yeah. everything would be closed. And then I remember when I was in high school and I and I started working at Target, you know, it used to be uh, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to, to 10 p.m. And then it started creeping up, right? I said, oh, now we open at 7 a.m. And then it was like, well, now we close at 11 now it's 12 and now it's fucking midnight and now it's also stupid. sundays now now we're open sundays now we're open holidays it's uh, stupid and uh and it just it's the culture in the states if walmart's going to be open 24 hours a day target's got to compete they're right across the street you know and yeah. so that's that's what happens in, in that environment but it's not necessarily the healthiest uh the healthiest version of it Society-wise, right? For the people that work, for the people that have to have to work in these systems, I've never, I've never gone to Target at eleven at night and been like, "Fuck, why isn't this open?" You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, there's something I need to say actually. Since it. you brought that up, when I was at Target working, I was I was working in the hardliners department. You know, and my my closing department was was um, toys, and it was next to electronics at the time. It was around ten thirty, right? 10:30, just 30 minutes before we close, we see a family coming in normally, and they have their kids at 10:30 at a store, and they come into the to the toy aisle, you know, already messing up the aisles that I clean and organize, you know. And I'm like, who brings their kid at 10:30 at night to Target? I was so yeah. mad. I was like, come on, who does it? Shouldn't the kids like have to be in bed by eight or seven? Like, I'm no parent, but like, isn't well, that a what, thing? What day? What day of the week was it? This was on a Thursday. Yeah, that's weird, isn't this it? This is a weekday, yeah. Mo. <laughs> so, These kids are little. And I think that's, you know, 
uh, that's a product, right? People, mm-hmm. if, if you know, if Target closes at 11, no one would be complaining. It's because it's open that people would go to it. You yeah. know, and you condition I, I, people. It was so bad that night. I did not clean that aisle. I just left it as is. Did my other duties. Got it done. Left. Punched out. <laughs> and it creates that kind of, of attitude, right? It's yeah. like you're not um you're not a bad worker because you did that, but it's a no. product of the situation where if you abuse your workforce, they're gonna care less about their duties, their work, or their mm. you know like yeah. there's no pride in ownership. There's no there's, there's no pride of arbership. You, when you work at a company, no matter what level you work at, no matter what industry it's in, you should have a level of pride in what you're doing that you want to do it right every time. And the good leaders, they know how to incentivize that and they know how to um, hopefully take care of their workforce. But yeah. when you have these massive companies like Target, and Walmart, and whatever, that, that gets lost in the, in the big system. So yeah, so so I wanted to bring that up, and I want I wanted to uh, make sure we talk about it because these are times when we need to get better with with our time. Like time is finite; we need to get better with our day. I've been working to to be more efficient throughout my day. You know, I really like having the autonomy in my work to be able to decide if I uh, today I'm going to start at seven a.m. because I got some stuff I got to get going for a couple of meetings tomorrow. I might start at eight eight thirty. Mm-hmm. And as long as I know what my workload is, what I, you know, if I'm in your position, I know I got to make 135 calls. It doesn't help me to start working at seven in the morning because no one's going to want to answer their calls at seven in the morning. So let me sleep in until 10. Let me get in at 11 and let me get people around lunchtime. Start calling. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. uh, there, there's there's strategy involved to developing work streams. And sometimes I feel like businesses don't fully grasp that. Um, concept and it's because they're using our uh, arcane systems and tools and and what have you all right so the band to dig out the band to dig out let's listen to this uh, i know for a fact this is a band that you've never heard of Devin. is this the spanish band that the you're talking spanish about spanish band that's what i'm saying they're called uh muy cansado uh and they've got about three records posted on spotify this first one is called stars and garters came out in 2008 this is how i kind of got turned on to them. I'm going to go ahead and play Kiss the World by Muy Cansado.
right, so that was Muy Cansado with Kiss the World. It was pretty catchy. It's like uh, it. it's the definition of indie band to me. It's like that sound. It's very uh, catchy, simple, not a lot of chord changes. Uh, the singer isn't singing like a professional singer. Right? It's just very much a singer-songwriter with a band behind them. Uh, I really like them. Yeah. When I was, uh, this was in, yeah, this must have been 2008, 2009. I was working as a guitar luthier for Belmont Music in Massachusetts. And Belmont Music is a music store, guitars and instruments and all that stuff. And I would go there a couple times a week to do guitar setups, to do repairs, uh, what have you. And one of the guys that worked behind the counter was this guy named Dave, who had dreadlocks, really cool guy. And he was the first person I met that had a gluten allergy, so he couldn't eat bread. I remember that specifically about him. And he used to be the, the drummer for this band. That's how I got turned on to them. He was, I don't think he was a drummer for a long time, but he, at that point in time, he was playing with them. And this was back in the MySpace days when uh, you'd find people on MySpace instead of Facebook or anywhere else. And so I remember having them on my MySpace and, and having, having listening to their songs and stuff. I remember uh, those days too. Do you? Do, do <laughs> yeah, you, because I remember you never, I, miss, you never I remember I did make a MySpace a MySpace account. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, when I was in sixth grade. Wow, sixth grade, Jesus, sixth grade. Yeah, man. mom doesn't even know. So I had one, made Ten, one. Use your birth, use your birth date. Holy moly! <laughs> so muy cansado. Uh, they're the band to dig out, and from the looks of it, you know, uh, they've got three records on Spotify. Uh, link will be in the description. Uh, this is the kind of music more people should be listening to, in my humble opinion. Their last mm. record posted is called Let It Go from 2013, so a while ago. So I doubt that they're still active, but we're going to listen to Falling Down from the last record as, uh, as a good sign-off for the episode. One thing I want to say is this is episode 10, and uh, episode 10... Is a milestone for me because when when I first pitched this to, to Devin and, and we decided to start doing it, I really wanted to do 10 and see and kind of build a rhythm with it and see if it's something that I like to do. And I really do like doing this. So thank you if you've uh, taken the time to listen. I appreciate it. Uh, and we'll continue rocking. We'll continue uh, trying to put more ideas into this, to this project. So this is Mo. We're going to listen to Falling Down from... Muy Cansado's Let It Go record from 2013. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great uh, week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Adios.